up here, but this is us. Um, so today we're going to be talking uh, about the Father's heart, as you can see up there. Um, sort of a Father's Day message, didn't really mean for that to end up happening, but we really didn't cover Father's Day that well, in my opinion. Um, you know, but every day is Father's Day, right? You could, I could, I could, I'm a father always, so we're going to talk about Father's Day. We're not going to talk about Father's Day, but we're going to talk about fathers. And so, um, really the, the thesis, the main point, the thing that, that kind of was on my heart that God was showing me that really needed to be said was that without proper fatherhood, just in general, without proper fatherhood, you will find yourself in an unbalanced home and one that is setting you up for failure, right? And, and say what you want, there's lots of other variables and other things that are going to be involved, but without a proper father in the home, you're set up to fail. You can overcome that. There's Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a lot about it, but hear me out. Without a proper father in the home, you're set up for failure. And so we're going to talk about this in a lot of different ways. It's true biblically, it's true in our ministries, and it's true in our homes, right? And so when you say father, right, it's, it's fairly easy to become a father, physically and spiritually. There's, there's not a lot to it, um, you know. Step one, step two, I'm a dad. Um, you know, there's a right way to do it, and you, sh- you should consider a lot of things before you become a father. Um, but but that's, that's, that's it, you know. And so it's easy, in, and in ministry, you know, you, you sign up for a discipleship, there you are, you're a father. Or in ministry... Um, you know, you're mentoring somebody, you're a father. Or in ministry, you're leading something, you're a dad. Or in ministry, you're counseling somebody, you're, you're a father. And we'll explain that more. But you have a choice to make, right? So, so wherever you are, I don't know where I put this, but it includes everybody. You don't have to be a guy to be a, a spiritual father, right? Um, Deb Mulder is a great picture of a father. It's weird. Just I'm going to say that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot. Just you're going to have to get over it. In this message, ladies are fathers. So congratulations. Um, but you have a choice to make, all of us. We have a choice to make. I'm in a father relationship. I'm, I'm in some kind of relationship where leading is expected of me. Or I'm in a relationship where I'm expecting leadership. Right? So it, it, it's going to, everyone's going to find something. But in that, the decision is what kind of father will you be? What kind of father will you be? Because there's all types. Like I said, it's easy to be a father. We see fathers all over the place. There's fathers in the world. There's fathers in ministry. There's, there's all kinds of fathers in the Bible. So we're going to look at a few. We're going to analyze kind of the, the, the options here. And then we're going to talk about the best path for, for being a father. Um, so if we refuse, if we refuse to be fathers in ministry or relationships, then the, ne- the next generations are doomed already. Right? So if we see this and we, we choose not to become fathers, if, if we choose not to be a father in a relationship or the discipleship, if you're not assuming the role of a father for that, it's the same way as in a home. It, it's setting them up for failure. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a second. Just hear me out on these points. Let them float until I support them. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about a father. It's more than a dad. It's a disciple. It's a leader. It's a discipler. If you're speaking into somebody's life in a leadership capacity, you are a father. Um, so I have a story. You know, stories have been shown to um, be the most captivating form of communicating information. It's a study. You can look it up. 
When someone tells a story, automatically everything focuses and you're listening to the story. So focus, I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> so there's a story, and I think I got this on the internet, so it's not me or anything. But there's a story of a dad and a mom and a kid, and the dad's setting up the rules for tonight. He's like, listen, the kid's been really disobedient. He's been acting up a lot. And he says, son, if, you, if you're going to disobey, if you're going to not listen to me again, if you're not, not going to follow my rules, you're going to tread over your mom and me, then you're going to go to the attic, and for dinner you're going to have bread and a cup of water, and you're going to sleep up in the attic. Right? Whoa. Like, that's some old-fashioned parenthood. But uh, who has attics anymore? But... Uh, <laughs> So, so, the, so the kid messes up, the kid sins, and the dad's like, well, I, I have to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold to my word. I'm going to you know, be just, and I'm, you have to go to the attic, take your bread, take your water. You're going to be in the attic. You don't get dinner. That's it. But something wasn't sitting right with him. You know? The dad felt weird about it. He, he, he didn't have peace about the decision. And so he goes, and he, he's having dinner with his wife, and, and she can tell that something's bothering him. And she's like, no, you, you can't bring him back down. You can't, you can't t- say it's okay. You have to hold to what you said because he's going to see that we're wishy-washy with our rules. or you know, He's, he's going to assume things. You can't do that. And he's like, I know, I know. It's just something. It's not right. And he goes, you know, okay, I love you. And he kisses his wife. And he goes up to the attic. And, and he, he, he takes a piece of bread and a cup of water with him and him and his son in the attic together. This is not where I was expecting to get emotional. <laughs> but him and, him and his son in the attic, they have their bread and their cup of water, and they go to sleep. And when the kid wasn't going to have anything to lay his head on, he lays his, at, his head on his dad's arm. So, <laughs> so the principle of fatherhood there is that it's the same as a leader. Any good leader leads the way by, by showing the example. He doesn't just throw out you know, all this stuff that you need to do Oh, take the consequences, take the punishments. The father is the type of leader that leads the way. If, if you fail, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be there. And so, um, key point number one. Fatherhood, not instruction, is imperative to the discipleship of future generations. Now, again, a lot of these things will, or might, you might be like, What? Why are you saying that, man? That's so, so, you're such a jerk. But uh, just wait. Hopefully, we all leave in peace and not frustrated with what I said. Thanks. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.15 says that, For, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus have I begotten you through the gospel. And so what is a father? We've, we all know what a father is. But more than that, a father is a leader, he is a role model, he is a protector, he's a provider, he's a visionary, he's a shepherd, right? Like a, a father, and I'm going to talk about a lot of different contexts, but me, I have a son, his name's Zebedee, Zebo. but for me and him, like right now, what I do is I provide for him, I make sure that he has plenty to eat, I make sure that his mom has enough money to go buy groceries for him. I make sure that, you know, when we're playing, that he's not about to fall off something. I make sure that there's not a wolf going to come eat him, right? That's the shepherd of the father, you know? <laughs> Being a shepherd, I'm making sure there's no wild animals. My neighbor found a copperhead in the yard. So I'm making sure a snake doesn't bite him. That's my role. That's my, my father role. And, and, and then, so that's, that's fatherhood. I don't have, my slides aren't great support here, but just listen to me. Uh, and what is an instructor? So that's a father. And an instructor is a teacher, a guide, a friend, an enemy, 
You know, enemies are our best teachers, some war people might say. Uh, but it's, it's all kinds of things. In, instructors are all over the place. And uh, the, the, the point here, instructors, instructors are not bad. It's not bad that you're a teacher, right? Don't, it's okay. You're, you're a teacher, it's okay. But a teacher is an occupation, right? A teacher can happen. You can teach when you're a father. You can have teaching moments. You can, you can do teaching. But a teacher um, is voluntary, right? You chose to go be a teacher. Now I'm talking about the occupation, right? If you're a teacher at a school. That's what you chose. That's your job. And, w and when you put in a lot of extra hours maybe, but ultimately you clock out and you clock in and, and you take a whole summer off and you don't live with the kids and you don't experience them the way a father does, right? The teacher role as an occupation is less. Does that make sense? In terms of investment, in terms of leadership, in terms of being there. A father is a state of being, right? If you're a father, you're a father. I don't get to say, all right, Zebo, that was a fun day. That was a fun time playing. You're throwing a fit now. I'm going to head home. I'll be your dad tomorrow, <laughs> right? That's not how it works, right? A father is a state of being. I don't, I don't, get, a, I don't get to stop being his father when um, he says he hates me, you know. I don't get to stop being his father when he's married. I don't get to stop being his father in, in five years or, or when he sucks. When, when he walks away from Christ, I don't get to stop being his father. When tonight, tomorrow, today, whenever, I am Zebedee Ginther's father, right? And that should be the same in any father relationship. You don't get a clock out. It's deeper. You're committed. You have a disciple. You are that disciple's father. That's it. You know, and the disciple can walk out, and, and discipleship might stop for a season, or it might stop indefinitely. But that's, that's still your little kid. That's still your, the father there. And so don't read too much into that. But that's the heart we must have for the people that we're investing in, right? You're investing in something. You're a leader somewhere. That's the vision you have to have. There's no, you know, taking breaks. Well, there's taking breaks. There's no clocking out. There's no turning it off for a while, there's no backing out. Like, you're, you're a father now. You're a father now. When, when Zebo came into the world, that was it. I was a father now. There's no going back. Can't stuff him back in, make it not happen. Well, definitely not now. He's huge. Um, but, and you can't, you can't do that for everybody. So don't feel, like, stressed out, like, gosh, this is going to be insane. How am I going to be there for this many people? Like, you, you need, like, one, two, three people your disciple, the, the key person in your life, that, that's who you're fathering, that's who you're shepherding, that's your commission. Now, now go do it well, right? When you are a proper father, the child knows. And as soon as they are able to, wait, the child knows, as soon as they're able to, that you're their father. So, so right now, I'm Zebo's dad, and he may not know that, he may call me dad, but he, maybe he doesn't understand that. But at the point in time when he's able to comprehend that he has a mother and a father, he will just know that, that his father's me, right? He's not going to show up on Sunday and see Miles and be like, ah, oh, that must be my dad. <laughs> you know, that would be weird because he doesn't see it. Well, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> the visual difference, you know. I, I mean, we're both kind of black, but. Um, so. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
Yeah, he's going to know because I've been there, right? Because I've been protecting him, because I've been waking him up, because I've been changing his diapers, because I've been leading him, because I've been taking care of him. As soon as he's able to know who his dad is, he knows that it's me. There's no question in his mind, that's my dad, right? And that's the kind of thing we need. We need these people that we're leading to not be confused about, well, I really just wonder who my Paul is. You know, there's just so many... There's so many of them, you know. There's so many fathers. And, that, and that's good. It's not like it's bad. But there should be one person, if it's happening right, if it's properly happening, that you know is your dad, right? That you just know. That guy is my dad because he's disciplined me. He's fed me. He's been taking care of me. He's been being a dad. And so, yeah, there's no, like, yeah, there's no icebreaker like a teacher, to, to, to say that you're his teacher or his instructor, you got to show up to class, you sign up for his class, you have a little icebreaker, you guys like get to know each other, and then eventually your teacher-student relationship. It's not like that with the dad, right? As soon as they know, they know. There's no question. Now, yeah, teachers aren't bad. You can, you can be an instructor. Um, and instruction can happen from a father. Instruction can happen from an instructor. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.15 leads us to believe that maybe there's some weight somewhere. 10,000, not many. It's a big difference, you know. But, so, a true father, oh yeah, the influence of a true father is true, life-changing, successful, impactful discipleship, right? That doesn't necessarily happen from an instructor. Um, but so, like I said, there's all kinds of different fathers. There's even different kinds of fathers in the Bible. And so let's, let's go ahead and take a look at one. Key point number two. Oh, yeah. Mm, Abraham and Isaac. Gustav Dorr. Good stuff. Next slide. A father who neglects his role. A father who neglects his role sows corruption into his children and fails to picture the gospel. And so on this point, uh, controversial maybe, but I'm going to talk about Eli Say what you want. I'm going to talk about Eli. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 13, and then 1 Samuel 2. Uh, I didn't put him in here. I'll just tell you the story. You can look it up and make sure I'm right. But so Eli is this priest, and he's, he's in charge of Israelites and their, their sacrifices. He's, he's the high priest. Like he's, he's making sure stuff's going. Samuel is where he comes from. Like Samuel comes and stays with Eli and blah, blah, blah. But Eli has these two sons. Right, and the first time they come up, it's like, and Eli's two sons were sons of Belial. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I thought they were Eli's sons, you know. And so that that gives us this view, like, if if your fatherhood is being recorded, I don't want it to say, you know, Zebedee, the son of Uriah, was a son of Belial. Like, whoa. No, there should only be one father, maybe God then afterwards. Like, if the second father needs to happen, it should be God or Jesus or something, not Belial. And so we're like, okay, let's look into this situation. Let's look into what was happening here. And so you see, by studying out the passage, by seeing kind of what, what goes on, what their relationship is, that Eli wasn't an invested father, right? Maybe he had a lot on his plate, maybe keeping track of all the sacrifices took a lot. Maybe he was just more focused on his work and less focused on his family, but he wasn't invested. And when he, so his sons were like horrible. They were going behind the backs of the people offering sacrifices. They were taking them, eating them, sleeping with the ladies. Um, Brian Bustos has a cool song about it. 
well, more than about that, but, um, but his sons, when he, when he says, you guys, you can't do this, like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's kind of how he says it. He's like, God won't like this. Why are you doing this? <laughs> they don't listen to him. They just, whatever, whatever, dad. And so a father who's not invested, a father who's distant, a father who, you know, isn't what justifies the situation is that his sons disregarded completely what he had to say. Like the father's voice in their life didn't do anything, right? And God ultimately ended up removing them. But a father whose voice doesn't reach the hearts of his children is a weak father, right? In your relationships, in your, when you're a father, when you're ministering, when you're leading somebody, if your voice doesn't reach the heart of the person you're leading, that should tell you you don't have that heart, right? Maybe they wrestle with it. Maybe it looks different each time. But if your voice doesn't get to them, you're doing something wrong. You're not being a father properly. Um, and so we see the fruit of it. We see corruption. We see death. We see it, it turns people away from the Lord. The, the father-son relationship there doesn't glorify Jesus. It doesn't make people rejoicing and, and sacrificing like it should. They're the priests, right? They're the priests of God. They should be bringing people closer. But, sorry, but the breakdown, the breakdown of this relationship is that uh, it turns people away from, from God. It doesn't do what it's supposed to. If a father is too weak, distant, or isolated, he will not have the respect needed to speak truth receptively into his child's life. So that was true with Eli. It's true with all of us. If you're not being a father, if you're too weak, distant, isolated, worried about yourself, what you have going on, you will not have the respect needed to speak truth receptively into your child's life, into your, your family's life, into your disciple's life. So what does it look like? That was biblically, a bad father biblically. What does a biblical or a ministry, what does it look like when we have Eli's running our ministry, right? What would, it look, what would our ministries look like if Eli was running it? You know, there would be probably not much guidance um, day to day. The practice of ministry um, would just be ministry. There would be rules but maybe not so much guidance, right? Not so much hands-on, not so much feedback, Just this is what you're supposed to do. If you don't, I'm going to say something about it. Um, there's no coaching through, through difficult or different circumstances. There's a lack of connection, a feeling that they care, right? When, when someone's leading ministry, it's important for you to know that they care, right? You guys know the whole, I don't, I don't care what they know. Till I know that they care, man. But uh, it's important, though. If, if, I, if, if Brandon didn't care about me, I would probably, probably be less inclined to want to serve well. You know, There's a lot of other things. Bad example. Sorry. But I know that Brandon cares about me. And a lot of us could say the same. He's very good at that. Like, you know that Brandon cares about you. That's a good father, right? And that's what ministry should look like. Um. But if our ministry was led by Eli-esque leaders, um, our eyes would be turned from the sin of the flock, and when softly addressed, that counsel and that guidance would be roughly rejected. A ministry on this track is headed towards God's hand of correction. Right? The, the sons of Eli, God's hand came down and removed them. He corrected the situation. Um, 
if you are a father, some of that might be on you. That's, that's what's, you know, we read it like, well, they, you know, the, the sons, they, they sucked, you know. They, they didn't follow Jesus. They didn't like what they were doing. But what's important to, to consider is the pastor has to give account to his flock, right? When, when he meets with Jesus, he's like, all right, you were a pastor. What did you do with that authority? Or how did you lead the people? The same, the same should be so with a father, right? You get paired up in discipleship. You have a very specific place and role to play in that relationship. And it's very important that you understand the weight of it, right? You don't, you don't need to be scared. Like there's, we're definitely in the dispensation of grace here. Like it's not like one error strikes you down. But there's no grace for laziness. There's, no, there's, not, there's not grace for just being a bad steward of something. If you're just a horrible steward of something, he's probably not going to have you be a steward anymore. Right? Yeah, negligence. That's just being a, a bad steward. So don't be an Eli. Don't be a bad father. Key point three, a father who embraces his role sows love into his children, and successfully pictures the gospel. And so this, um, yeah, there was, I don't know, there's a picture there, cool. No, 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 no. Um, so, okay, good father, biblical example of a good father. So now I get to talk about, like, why I named my son the, the name I did, right? We're going to talk about Zebedee. Um, so if you turn into to Matthew 4.21, um, I will read that one. So I'm going to start reading in 19, actually. So, and he saith unto them, this is Jesus, saith unto them, I'll start earlier. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. Um, For they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called unto them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So two, two sets of, of people, both on boats, both fishing. Jesus calls them both, they come. But Zebedee, it's weird. There's, there's like nothing in the Bible about him. Just that he was these two guys' dad, Right? He, he raised two laborers, we can see. They were working with him on the ship. They were there where, where the dad was. The sons were there. Uh, when Christ found them, they were working. They were participating. They had something to put down and follow Christ. Right? They were with their dad. They were working. And these two, two sons, like the first sons, uh, well, I guess they straightway left their nets. Just kind of immediately. But then the sons of Zebedee, it just says immediately. It's probably the same, but that's cool too. So these, these two sons were instant in their response to Christ. These two sons ended up being two-thirds of Christ's like, closest disciples. Right? He says Matthew, or no, he says Peter, James, and John were his like homies. right? And two of them were the sons of Zebedee. It's pretty neat. 
They were called um, the Sons of Thunder, which it's not just some play on Greek gods and like magical and fantasy. It's not that, okay? <laughs> it's not. Um, so thunder in the Bible pictures the voice of God, right? The thundering of God, his voice, his, his shaping, his willing of his voice to impact the earth, right? It's not what it is, but that's what it pictures, right? God's voice is like thunder, and we feel it in the house, and it rumbles, and it shakes the earth. And these guys are followers of Jesus Christ. They go on to found the church, like the apostles, the disciples. They're, they're the founding fathers of our church, They go on to found the church, so they're preaching, right? They're teaching, and they get named the Sons of Thunder, right? If your ministry is a preaching ministry, and someone says, man, that guy's a son of thunder, man, that guy's a son of the voice of God, and you're preaching, that's a pretty cool preacher nickname, right? The Sons of Thunder. So that's Zebedee's sons. Um, But what does it look like when our families are led by Zebedee's? So we're going to keep talking a little bit about Zebedee. But a children who are prepared for the mission at a moment's notice. We see that. Jesus called on them, hey, come participate in the mission with me, the mission I have. Immediately, they're with Jesus. A father who isn't consumed with his own goals, rather the obedience of his children. Right? It doesn't say, and then Zebedee chased after them, you know, because he really needed a lot of fish to get into the boat. It's just, that's it. They left Zebedee to go follow Jesus, and he went on with his life, right? He raised two guys who were willing to leave and go to the mission. Um, and, okay, so this is like, this is where it gets real. This is where I appreciate Zebedee as a person. So the heaviest, the heaviest point for me is that how little Zebedee is mentioned. Like, that's, seriously, that's about it. There's nothing else about him. It's just that he had these two sons that were rock stars, right? And, uh, he, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't one of the mighty guys of God who took a bone and killed a lion with it or slew his ten thousands. He wasn't that. What he did was raise two faithful sons in the work. They were just hard working. And then when Jesus Christ called on them, they responded instantly. And then nothing else. Nothing else. That's what he did. That's what he did. He equipped two servants to serve Jesus Christ. And so, we need to stop and seriously ask ourselves, are we okay with that? You know? Because there's a lot that factors into it. If you're a good father, like, I want my name, I want to go on and do other things, or I want to be on the mission field, or I want to be the biggest preacher or I want to, you know, there's a lot of things that we want to do, which is fine. But are you okay with your name only being that you discipled well and that your disciples went on to do things or that the person I led became this guy over here and then nothing else? Maybe, maybe you did a lot of investment and people just don't, don't mention it or don't say it because of your, your profit in the ministry, right? And then you just get looked over. Are we okay with that? Or do we serve hoping in the back that we get a little recognition, that we do good, and so we get a name drop somewhere, or that someone talks about us? Right? Ministries led by Zebedees aren't ministries whose leaders are concerned with their own names, their own accolades, or their mentions, 
They're simply equipping their members to do the work of the Lord. Ministries who are invested in by these guys, um, whose members serve alongside um, their father in the work, those people, um, when you're invested in by Zebedee, when that's your father, those people will be ready for the mission. That when Jesus Christ calls, they're prepared and they go. There's no confusion about what's going on. Zebo, Zebedee raised his kids to go, right? To when Jesus Christ goes, they respond. And so, you know, in, in, in naming my son Zebedee, um, I, I prayerfully, I want him to be that guy. I want him to be a faithful man of God who doesn't have to go be a crazy evangelist somewhere, doesn't have to, he totally can but doesn't have to be a discipler, doesn't have to, or no, he needs to be a discipler, doesn't have to be some famous preacher, doesn't have to be super good at anything, but that he would be this dude that just equips people, that disciples well, that knows, knows the word, that knows Jesus Christ, and is able to invest it in people so well that they're ready to immediately respond when Christ calls them, right? And isn't that what we could, like, what more could you ask for? What more, what more could you want? Right? The, the whole pyramid scheme of Christianity, that guy would be at the top. His investment just multiplies. He's the pyramid scheme hack. Anyways, key point four. A father who cares more about his children than himself is more precious than 10,000 teachers, instructors. So our church, say our church is like 500 people. And say you double that, 1,000, you double that. Again, 2,000, double it to the point of 10,000, and then stack that, many people that are just teachers, next to a dude like Zebedee who's going to equip and disciple. God says a father is more precious than that. Isn't that weird? That many people? You're telling me that that many teachers who are just going to teach me, tell me what's going on, all that stuff, are less precious than somebody who's just a, a father? It's the investment, right? It's, it's that you are there with him. That's your kid. That's, that's my father. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead this person. I'm going to equip this person. I'm invested personally in whatever happens in this life. That father, that model is, is so valuable. And it's what we have to, we have to be that. There's, there's room for teachers and that you can teach. Feel free to teach. But what we need is fathers, what we need is people who will, will, will stake a claim in a soul and say, I'm going to invest in that soul. I'm going to take care of that soul. I'm going to nurture that soul. I'm going to provide for that soul. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to, you know, when, when they get sent to the attic, I'm going to go to the attic with them. I'm going to stick out the hard times with them. When they're having a hard time, I'm going to have a hard time too. When they're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with them. When they're sad, I'm going to be sad with them because that's my kid. That's my investment. That's my life. When, when Zebedee is born, it's like the freakiest thing to have a kid. Because, big shocker, there's not like a dad class, and you feel really ready and prepared to have a son now. Like, I'm a father. I just need my son. <laughs> you have a son, and you're like, crap, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right? And, and those moments are the sweetest, the sweetest moments because it's, <laughs> you, you see it, this thing, right? You're like, oh my gosh. And there's nothing I can do. 
I am not good enough to make sure he makes it. I'm not good enough to keep him alive. I'm not good enough to make sure he gets saved at some point. Right? Like, say what you want about his physical life, his spiritual life, eternity. I have to invest in that and make a good investment. It's only God. It's only Christ. It, it, it makes you realize real quick, I can't do it. I'm not enough. Right? <laughs> who, who cares about me? I need God. I need God's help. And, yeah, that's a big one. So a father's hand, that comes with weight, like what I just said. That's gravity. That's a lot of responsibility. That's eternity of his soul. That's livelihood of his life. And he shouldn't have to worry. So you build trust. That's what I meant to say first. You build trust in that relationship, right, so that he doesn't have to worry um, in five years or when he's older if, if me and his mom are going to still be together. He needs to trust that I'm living a godly life. He should trust that I'm going to be there with his mom and we're going to lead him. He shouldn't have to worry that I'm going to dislike him. He shouldn't have to worry that I'm going to stop loving him. He shouldn't have to worry that I don't have his best interests in my heart. He shouldn't have to worry that I'm more concerned about my life and bettering myself than pouring into him and making sure he has everything he needs. He shouldn't have to worry about that. That's the kind of trust we have to have for our disciples and then to our disciples. Like, I I need to just trust that Brandon knows what's good. So when Brandon comes to you and says, hey, this is what I feel about what's going on in your life. I see this. You You know that God kind of ordains that stuff? that he kind of pushes different people into different situations and he kind of puts a pastor in your life. And so if you have a pastor, like you just have to respect that God did that. And even if I submit and it's horrible, if you did it, like trusting God, he's not going to punish you for that. There's more safety in listening to your pastor and listening to the word and listening, you know, you're not listening to your pastor and like, this is not what the Bible says. And then going and worshiping, Belial or something, if it's a, a biblical, you know, principle. Like, look at Daniel. That's what I mean. I just lost, I just lost that point, didn't I? Just ruined it for all you guys. Um, yeah, we have to be able to trust. Trust that God did that. Um, trust that God's doing it. Trust that the leadership in your life is there for a reason. Trust that they have wisdom to do it. And if they don't, if you trust God through that, then he's going to take care of you. Um, and so... Fathers, important. Luke 1.17, um, John the Baptist, his ministry, when he, he shows up on the scene, uh, that's way too far. <laughs> oh, yeah, just leave it there, I guess. Um, actually, you can put it on the, the other one. It's fine. It doesn't matter. So, okay, so John the Baptist is preparing the way for the Lord, yeah. right? He's making ready. Jesus is coming. John the Baptist is on the scene. All right. Jesus is coming. Baptize you. But one of the things he's doing, one of the things he's doing is he's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. Right? That it's, it says that, that that's his role, that's his job. One of the part, the part of his ministry is that he's, 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 he's facing hearts of fathers and correcting them. So the ministry... That ministry deals directly, this is kind of a wordy point, deals directly with the correction of the direction of a heart's pouring out. 
right? Spoken word, right? JJ, you can have that one. So the minister of God deals directly with the correction of the direction of a heart's pouring out. There are many examples that we, we barely have touched anything about biblical fatherhood or the character studies that you can do on fatherhood in the Bible. And there's not only physical ones, there's not only spiritual ones, but you don't even have to look at the Bible. You know, in the Bible, there's the centurion, David, Isaac, Abraham, Joseph, Zacharias, Elijah, um, the prodigal son's dad. Like, pfft, that's huge. That's a dad. Um, and there are examples around us as well. It's like you have all these biblical examples. And then, like I said earlier, you have, you have Deb Mulder, who you can look at and say, man, she fathers well. You can say mothers if you want. It's just, I'm saying she's a father. You know, uh, Lisa Cheadle, that's a father. Brandon Briscoe, that's a father. James Fife, man, the story of them leaving, that is a father, right? Uh, you can figure that out on your own. Um, Del Thomas, Alvero. Brooke Sidebottom, Kenny Morgan, my wife. There's so many fathers around us that we can see. You know, my wife's name is Havla. I didn't mean to just say my wife. Um, And you know what? To bring this back to, like, us and Jesus, so you have fathers and all that, Jesus laid down his life obeying his father because his father was perfect towards him. Talk about trust, right? I need you to go die. (laughs) All right, Dad. (laughs) You know, um, what God did uh, in being an incredible father to Christ was to extend that fatherhood opportunity to us. You know, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, right? God's perfect fatherhood and Jesus Christ's perfect sonhood, you know, lets us have that father. We have access because of the perfect relationship. Because of a perfect father and son relationship, we get to step into the perfect father and son relationship. Like, God's equations for things don't even make sense. There's no way that them being perfect should just make, let me be perfect too. But it's, it's there. It's the opportunity. It's, and it's so easy. Um, that's, that's, that's what we do. That's our model right? We, that's all we have to do. We die for ourselves. We die for other people. I lay down my life to give Zebo life. I lay down my life so that he can go. I lay down my life. You know, Jake was a disciple of mine. I lay down my life to invest in Jake every Saturday. We did. And then, and then just be his dad, you know, walk with him. It's not, not weird. It's not weird. It's not weird. <laughs> Um, but he's grown up. Like, Jake, you know, the, where Jake started, I mean, I didn't even, like, I, don't, I didn't have any right to get Jake as a disciple, like all you guys. But getting him, like, wow, man. He, he didn't know anything, right? You hadn't even read the Bible. Yeah, like, so everything was like, wow. <laughs> the Bible. And just so faithfully, he took it and applied it. So faithfully. Thanks for the bread. Thanks for the bread. Thanks for the bread. <laughs> You know, and there's some, there's some hard times, there's some weak times, and there's, there's things we worked through, but, like, man, watching you just become a man of God has been such a blessing, right? It's, that's the privilege of, of being a father in somebody's life. You get to, when you die, you get to, 
not like the guy on the bleachers, like their son's playing basketball and you're vicariously living through them. <laughs> but you get, you get to share in the success of the people you invested in. When Jake is successful, man, awesome. Who cares what I do? As long as Jake is successful. As long as... Amen. Sorry, the the spirit of tongues took over me. (laughs) Ah, shit about a Honda. Um. (laughs) All right, so, yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Having that opportunity in somebody's life. Like, when Zebo was born, like, going home, man, I've never driven slower in my life. I've never dodged that many potholes in my life. It's just like... I can't let this kid bump. <laughs> I don't know how good that car seat is. And, okay, but, okay, so perfection, God, Jesus, perfection, God, Jesus. And they don't just say, all right, you do it too, good luck. It's, the blueprints are there. And that's, you know, you can throw those up now. We have blueprints. We have blueprints. Praise God. He tells me how to do it and what to do. That's not the actual blueprint. Okay, never mind. I thought that was the blueprint, and Eric was taking a picture of it. Like, ah, this is how I... <laughs> it's just some plumbing system. Um, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. Okay, so I have a more sure word of prophecy in the Bible than Jesus showing up, than Jesus showing up. Actually, I think I skipped a point. This is a mess. I'm sorry. So I have a more sure word of prophecy then if Jesus Christ was right next to me and I was experiencing him in person, he's like, okay, hey, do this. And then he goes and does something else. I have something better than Jesus Christ being there. I have the word of God taught to me by the spirit of God, spoken into existence by God the Father through the spirit, through men. And that is a more sure word of prophecy than Jesus Christ himself. And I have it, right? That's a guide. It's a map. It's a direction. It tells you what to do. You start going somewhere and you read something. It doesn't say, hey, uh, Romans 8, verse 5, dear Uriah, don't do that thing. (laughs) But I I purpose in my mind to trust God and I'm trying to live obediently. And when I open the scriptures, I I, I pray over it and it steers me, right? It says, um, maybe I'm making this decision, right? There's not some ordained decision a part of God's plan. But I'm making this decision. I'm opening this door. God opened it maybe. And he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, the heart of whatever is, I don't know, I'm just trying to make it up now. But, like, it could say your heart is deceitfully wicked, and maybe you're convicted about maybe that being a heart decision, right? Or, or it, it steers you. It's not speaking directly, work at Hallmark, but it, it's, it's letting you know in different ways. Sorry if that applied to anybody. That was just the first thing I thought of. <laughs> I should have done a real one then. Um, you can work at Hallmark, Jake, or uh, Joel. I don't know. Anyways. God's blueprints are sound. There isn't any fault in the design. There's no fault in the measurements. The only error is operator error. The only error is when the human factor is worked in. So this is an example of God's plan. Right? So the, the urinal goes here. <laughs> toilet goes here, wash sink, you know, and that's what they give. So when you're going to a construction site 
a construction site, not like anything else. They give you blueprints. They give you the plans and say, all right, here are the plans. Make it happen. They don't walk you through like, okay, I need you to do this here and squeak this tight here. They don't teach you how to do it. They don't, they don't provide. They, just, they give you the plans, and they say, all right, have at it. And your job is to read the plans. Like, I have a whole class called Isometric Drawing, and they give you the southeast view and the northwest view, and they give you the engineer's rule and the architect's rule and all these different measurements, and, and you're supposed to take it, and whatever they did in the design, you interpret what to do, and you do it, and if you do it wrong, your fault. You tear it out, you fix it, or maybe they hire somebody else to do it. But it's the same thing. Same thing. There's no error. There could be an error in an actual blueprint. There's actually errors a lot. But um, in God's blueprint, there's no error. And there's not 17 different types of ways to measurement, measure it. There's one. Spirit indwelling you and moving forward. Um, so that, that blueprint is, is to lay the foundation for you is to lay the foundation. Hebrews 4.3 says, for, for we which have believed to do, or believed, do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. 2 Corinthians 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So the things that God puts in the Bible are the foundation, the blueprint. Here, here's what you need to do. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how to do it. And you know what? He designed it to work. Sometimes when you put these blueprints together, the, the architects or somebody who engineered it, it might not work because there's just humans doing it. But when God did it, when he designed marriage, he designed marriage to work, right? If a man and a wife obedient to Christ get married and then the man lays down his life to picture Christ for his bride and then the church, the, the bride reverences the husband like she's the church, that's designed to happen and then work. The only reason marriages don't work is because of us, right? Is because we don't follow the blueprints, because we don't practice them well, because of that human factor, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. That God designs work, that, that he, he, he gives us things to be successful at, and we screw them up, right? So, so being a dad is designed to succeed. It's designed to make a faithful son. It's designed to reproduce. That's, that's the next step of a marriage, right? You get married, then you become, we don't have to, but then you become a father and a mother, and then it multiplies, and then it replenishes the earth. It was designed to work. It was designed to succeed. And so we build on that foundation, you know. And there's no storm that will tear it down, no sand that will swallow it up. It will withstand we do it the biblical way. If we follow the biblical blueprints, if we live in the Spirit, which, P.S., the Spirit is God. Right? Sometimes we forget about that. God, Jesus, same. God, Jesus, Spirit, same. Trinity. And you know the Spirit? The Spirit of God, He doesn't talk about Himself. He doesn't say, 
hey, guess what the Spirit did? The Spirit did something really cool. All the Spirit does is teach you about Jesus. Isn't that Zebedee? (laughs) Anyways, all the Spirit does is teach you about Jesus. So when you walk in the Spirit, shouldn't you be out of the equation anyways? Like, walking in the Spirit means you only care about Jesus, because that's what the Spirit does. Anyways, time back in. Um, God did everything for us through Christ. Christ, when he was on earth, he didn't, he didn't have his own personal agenda. When we were studying through John, did you guys notice that, or did somebody bring it up in, in all the John Bible studies where, where Christ says, you know, I don't speak my words, um, for he whom God hath, hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Or John 14, 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So the words Jesus spake, he attributed it all to God. The words I have, they're not my words. I didn't make them up. God told me to speak these words, and I'm speaking them. The works that I do, I'm not doing them. God told me to do this stuff, and I'm doing it. It's his works. I'm about my father's business. That was Jesus' MO. He was constantly affirming that his entire life was his father's. That all he had learned, all he had been commissioned, all that he was taught, he was going to obey. Right? So now you kind of see the son side of things, the child side of things. That when a father is a proper father, the son delights to do what the father asks him to do. That when... God gave Jesus his mission. Jesus did the mission. And we get it, right? We get, we're the recipients of that mission. We were the mission. So we have the perfect father. And I, and I pray that we would ask him for help being that to others. We get to call the God of the universe our father. Like, we all have fathers, or we wouldn't be here. But God the father is our father, Right? Um, so when we care more about ourselves than following that God, when we care more about ourselves than following the blueprints, when we care more about ourselves um, than obeying, um, relationships will fail. Visions will fall apart. Those things that he designed will fall apart if we care more about ourselves. We have to, we have to give up. We have to die to that stuff. And if he, So God took care of that. Like, he, he made you a way to not be susceptible to the human error, right? God sent Jesus, who was God, to die on the cross for your sins. And just like Kendall talked about, when, when we get home, we don't take off our, our work uniform and then just relax. We take off our work uniform and then put on Jesus Christ's uniform. Sorry, Kendall. It was way more eloquent when he said it. But he's, you're always wearing, you know, son of God, servant of God uniform. And, and you, maybe you put a mechanic thing over the top of it. But you're always wearing that. And that, that's what, similar to what Jesus did, all those flesh, you know, whenever we put on the servant of God, all the flesh that, that we take off in order to put that on, Jesus picked up every single one of our fleshes, our old man. He, he, he was putting on our coats and covering up the son of God. He was, he was wearing that. He took your sin and your sin and my sin. He took all that sin, and when he climbed up on the cross, God couldn't look at him anymore. He had to turn away because it was, it was, we were so gross. All of humanity's sin all at once. 
Man. And then he died. Right? And then he got killed. Well. And then he rose. <laughs> right? Isn't that what's cool? Jesus rose from the dead. And in believing in that, we get to have him as a father. We get to have God as a father. All I have to do is confess. All I have to do is say, I'm a sinner. I don't know how to be a father. You know, I don't know how to take care of Zebo properly. I'm a sinner. I have sin. I lie. If, if that stuff is discipled into my kid, I'm only going to sow corruption into him. Right? He's going to have plenty of that on his own. He's already a sinner. Okay. So if we follow God's blueprint, the master list, we will be successful because he is successful. Jesus accomplished exactly what he was intended to do. Um, so when the foreman steps back to look at the thing he set out to build, like he, he gives you the blueprints, and at the end of the job, he steps back, he's like, ah, good job, everyone. And he gives out bonuses or something. Um, he's pleased. He's, he's happy that the work was done. And, and that's, what, that's, what, that's our task for God, right? That's what we want to hear. Not, you screwed up. I had to rip out all of your things. None of it was falling the right way. You know, it was all, it was all wrong, right? When we follow the blueprint, we get a step back with God, and he goes, well done. You did good. That's exactly what I drew up, <laughs> you know? Um, and we have that, man. We have that opportunity. Christ lives inside of you, and we all have access to what he had more. And if you have, okay, so if you don't have that, if you don't have that, you are not sure that you have that, that you have Jesus Christ, that you have access to God, that you have that Father. If you are not sure, no other day is promised. You have no idea, this is morbid, you have no idea if you'll walk out into the parking lot, you'll walk out to your car and somebody will not be paying attention and slam into you. You have no idea if you're going you're gonna to die. You have no way of knowing if you're going to be alive tomorrow. So if you aren't sure that God is your Father, today is the day of salvation. It's not, it's not hard. It will cost you, but it's not hard. That, that picture that we, that we said, Jesus, he took all of our sin and he wore it and he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again, and he reigns in heaven, and he's gonna, there's so much more to it. But all I have to do is I have to believe in him and confess in him as my Lord and Savior, and now I'm a son of God too. Now Jesus is my big brother. <laughs> Weird. But now Jesus is my brother, and I get to say, doesn't matter if I don't know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. doesn't matter. I'm going to be in heaven. If you don't know that, Whoever brought you, whoever invited you, you can come talk to me. There might be people making their way that are Bible study leaders up to the front. Um, but if you don't know that, we need to get that right. And it just takes a prayer. It takes you acknowledging that you can't do it. Um, yeah, and so I think the next one is, well, can't really see it. But that's my son. That's, that's little Zebedee. Um, yeah, that's big Zebedee. Um, and man, I just... <laughs> that's his grandpa. 
Um, I need you guys to pray for me, man. Because to be responsible for that is a serious thing. Like, that dude, it, it means the world. And it's so worth it to do whatever I have to do. It's so worth it to, to work late. It's so worth it to put in all the overtime and then have to do crazy amount of things and make all the stuff fit in your schedule or, or whatever. It's so worth it to invest in someone, right? It's so worth it to take all that God gave you and then apply it like that. So if you, if you aren't, um, if you don't have a relationship like that, just, you know, talk to the people around you. Maybe you do and you don't realize it. Um, or maybe you're not being that. You know, that's the kind of investment we need to be making. That's what's precious in God's kingdom. Fathers, not just instructors. I can, I can teach you about the rapture, or I can teach you um, about dispensationalism. But that's not what really affects your life. That's not what really matters. It matters when I'm, I'm there, and you're having a hard time, and, man, I feel that. Like, let's, let's work through it. Let's apply the stuff God gave us to be successful right? That's what matters. And so, um, we pray, and then we're going to close in worship, and then respond if you need to. Father, we love you, and we're just thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, um, and just his submits to you, Lord, and how good of a father you are to submit to. Um, I just, I pray for, um, us who heard the message of, of what it means to be a good father, Lord, and what that looks like, and that we would take it today and apply it in our lives, Lord. And for those who don't um, recognize that they have a father who is loving, Lord, um, they would um, take this opportunity to really um, ask themselves what it means to have that father and to make the decision of faith to, to accept you as Lord and Savior. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.